0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fan's Coffee Break. James Merlot, Rachel V. Hill hanging out with you as we had a very, very busy weekend in Colorado sports, that's for sure, James. How was your weekend?
1: It was great. It was busy, but uh, that's a good thing. And then we roll right into it this week. We got uh, some more Nuggets games, at least one more. We got the Broncos on the practice field. It just, uh, it never ends. All of it is good, though.
0: So much fun. Well... Not all of it is good. This weekend, the Colorado Avalanche struggled a little bit. So we'll get into our weekend roundup. So they lost to the Winnipeg Jets 4-1. to This is their fourth straight loss, James. This has not happened, I believe, since 2019. Are you worried?
1: Yeah. And I get it that they don't have anything to play for. They long since wrapped up the number one seed in the West. And they've got some guys out with injury, and they're keeping some some guys out so they're fresh and healthy for the postseason. I understand all of that, but you don't want to have your season-long losing streak in the final couple of weeks of the season. You don't want to limp into the playoffs, and that's what this team is looking like they're going to do. Now they still have three regular season games, and hopefully they can right the ship and get a little momentum and we can all feel better. But am I concerned? Yeah, they're playing the worst their worst hockey of the season and it's happening at the worst possible time. So we've all said all season long regular season for this team, formality. Doesn't matter. It's all about what they do in the p- playoffs. It's can they get out of the second round? Can they uh, can they win a cup? You don't want to be playing like this, heading into the part of the year that is the only part that matters. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned.
0: Oh, I'm with you. For the first couple of losses, I was like, eh, you know, it happens. Sometimes you get a little off track on your own thoughts and like stuff happens, right? Like you're focused on the playoffs. But now that we're going into loss number four, I'm really concerned because one, like you said, you don't want to be playing your worst hockey right before the playoffs. I know they are missing a bunch of people, but still you would hope that with the depth we've seen of this team, that they would be able to pull off wins and you know, not all of them have been close. I mean, heck, look at last night, 4-1. to one. Like, that's not a close game. It's not like it came down to the final couple of seconds. So, I'm concerned. I'm right with you. But an interesting fun fact. So, back when the team last won the Cup, they played the Minnesota Wild in their final game. Who did they play in their final game this week? The Minnesota Wild. So, you know, sometimes there can be a little interesting tidbits there. So, maybe this could be the year.
1: Maybe. Maybe. I like that you're finding the positives, but... Uh, you know, last night, I mean, Winnipeg's not a good team, right? They're, they've been eliminated from playoff contention. That's a bad loss. They lost at Seattle. The Kraken are terrible. They're an expansion team. That's a bad loss. Like, there's some games that a team this good, if they show up even remotely ready to play, should have should have cruised to victories, and instead they got a loss. So that's a worry, and I just don't think it's as easy as some people think to just flip the switch back to on come playoff time so I think this week you come home for two and then you go to Minnesota for the finale as you mentioned I think it's imperative that they get the two wins at home you know maybe if you rest guys once you get to that that finale and you're going on the road because uh you know heaven forbid you have somebody get hurt in the in a meaningless game in the game 82 but I think you got to take these two home games relatively serious and try to get some momentum going here because this is uh not a good look heading into the postseason
0: now, I'm with you. Moving on to the Colorado Rapids. This weekend, they had a draw, and there's actually a lot going on with the Rapids right now, too. They've got a new player in Zardas, um, and they so it So, with their scoreless draw, the Colorado Rapids set the club record for longest home unbeaten streak with 20 consecutive regular season wins or draws at Dick Sporting Goods Park. So, if you haven't been out to Dick Sporting Goods Park, it's definitely worth the drive out there. It's a fun environment. It does get a little windy, I will say. I've <laughs> spent plenty of time out there, but This Rapids team, I think, and I'm very hopeful, they're going to start figuring it out this year. They brought in a lot of new players, so hopefully they can start building that chemistry and make it back to the playoffs this season.
1: They have the Timbers at home this coming Saturday, so you can go check that out. But I I have to laugh, and I'm going to sound like that guy, but is there anything more soccer than a nil-nil tie? I mean, (laughs) that is the ultimate. For people who want to bash soccer, and there are a lot of them out there, and I'm not one of them at all, but that right there, zero, 0 is why. I mean, come on. we got to have something happen.
0: Well, and, too, it's funny because you mentioned the Kraken are an expansion team. Charlotte is also an expansion team. So you kind of were hoping that they would be able to get a win, but... I guess at the same time, you're just kind of happy that you didn't lose on that front. Uh, Moving on, there were a couple MLS appearance records on there. So Mark Anthony K and then Jonathan Lewis hit 100 games. So congratulations to those two. That's always so cool to see. And to do it on the same day, that's pretty dang fun. Um, Okay, moving on to the Rockies now. As you like to call it, James, your Rockies. My Rockies. How about them?
1: Yay, playing great. I mean, look – the, the first game, it was the, the game that was rained out on Friday. If you're going to lose, just get blown out. That was, uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera moment where he gets his 3,000th hit. That, fine, let the Tigers have their, uh, have their moment. You bounce back, win the second game of the doubleheader. You win yesterday pretty convincingly. They haven't lost the series yet this season. I mean, my Rockies, 10 wins, 10 and 5. Time to start believing, guys.
0: I am shocked, but I'm also just waiting, and I feel like a lot of other people are doing this. We're just kind of waiting for everything to fall apart for the Rockies, but are they proving to us that maybe that's not going to happen?
1: No, they're not proving it at all. I mean, it's a nice start, and I facetiously like to call them my Rockies. I am a fan. I've long, you know, been a fan since their inception, so I'm hoping it continues. Do I think it's going to? No, because I've seen it. Every single year the June swoon is is real. It always happens, but uh look, none of us thought that they would be any good at all. Certainly nobody saw them starting 10 and 5 um and winning every series up until this point. So if they can go into Philly, I think there's they play the Phillies for four. If they can get a split there and come home with four wins in the seven-game road trip, they have the Reds at home this weekend. The Reds just just snapped their 11-game losing streak like they're brutal they're the worst team in baseball so you would think you'd win that series so you know just keep your head above water here with the Phillies get the get the weekend against the Reds all of a sudden we're gonna look up and say hey this team's pretty good this graphic says they're third in the NL West and they are but it's a bunch of teams all bunched together they're like what a half game back a game back so you know third in the NL West doesn't sound very good they're right there right there with the uh with the big boys
0: Oh, 100%. I, I asked this last week on Coffee Break. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, actually, to Mark Slareth. Okay, so we've talked about how Russell Wilson has completely just changed this entire Broncos team, right? Like, took one person to come in, and it just feels like night and day difference between where they were last year. Can Chris Bryant be that person for the Rockies?
1: You know, I think it's different in baseball um, just because, you know, it, when you're playing out in the field, unless they hit the ball to you, you can't do anything. And you only come to the plate one out every nine times. Right. So, um, you know, is Chad cool pitching like a Cy Young candidate because of Chris Bryant being there? I don't know that that you can connect those dots, but I think an overall professionalism and a take it every game serious. I do think your, you know, best player, your highest paid player sets the tone and that has been an issue with this team. It, 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 you know, if you go all the way back, right, like some of the greatest players in franchise history had a bit of a we'll get them tomorrow kind of attitude. Well, a we'll get them tomorrow kind of attitude means you didn't get them today. And when that happens a lot, you end up with some bad, bad teams. So I don't know that it's quite the same impact as a, as a franchise quarterback or as, you know, Nikola Jokic on the Nuggets. Baseball is a different animal, but I do think setting that tone and hey, you know what? We're here to win every single day, and you know, not just uh, you know, let's try and get a let's try and get one or two in this series. I think that does have an impact, but uh, let's not give Chris Bryant too much credit yet.
0: Yeah, that's the key word there. Um, I will say though, he's never been on a losing team. I know he pointed that out in his like introductory press conference. So maybe and we all come. laughed. We'll we'll take it. I know Denver fans are loving him right now. so we'll Myself
1: included. It. I laughed at that and said, well, you better get used to it. But maybe not. Maybe he'll prove us all wrong.
0: Maybe. Um, I also need to give a huge shout out to the Colorado Rocky social team. When you have so many games that you are having to make graphics for, it's fun when you can say not 13 was the score line. So a huge shout out to them. I thought that was a cool way of doing it. It got people talking about the game, too, which as, when you work for social media, that's the whole point of it is you want to get people talking about your team and the content you're putting out. So I thought that they did a really good job on that graphic.
1: Yeah, it was it was funny. Their their social media team does a great job. They've long been one of the best in town, I mean, for years and years. So very creative. Look, you got blown out. It happens in baseball. Honestly, a 13 nothing loss hurts way less than the, you know, five four loss when you blew a five two lead in the ninth like those are just a gut punch 13 nothing that's easy to move on from have a little fun with it turn the page now it's not funny if you continue to do it right like it's funny as a one-off then they won the second game and then they they won the series yesterday that's what makes it funny if you get swept then i don't think it's the right tone so like i always get upset it's kind of my ongoing bit I don't like when they tweet out the menu on their airplane after a loss. It's like, nope, we don't want to hear about it. It's not all fun and games when you lose. So there's a, there's a fine line with that tone.
0: I thought you were going to say you just don't like when they tweet it out. And I was like, I love knowing the menu on every flight that they take for all sports. First I
1: like of- it when, I like it when you're winning. When they're losing, I know this isn't what it really is. But when they're losing, I think I want to believe they're getting on the plane and not having any fun. I know that's not true, but that's what I want to believe.
0: Okay, I'm with you there. And now every time I see a menu after they lose, I'm going to think of you, James. So I might (laughs) might hate you just a little bit for that. But isn't it also so (laughs) funny in baseball how you can lose 13-0 to and then come back for the doubleheader and win? Like it just shows how crazy baseball actually is.
1: Yeah, and it's uh it was kind of one of those if you're if you were at the game, if you're a Tigers fan, you're like, hey, let's save a little of the little of this for the next game, right? Like they kind of got all their hits and runs out of their system in the first game. They didn't need anywhere near thirteen. So yeah, baseball's weird that way. It's you know, it's tough because this is a football town. And in football, every game is so important and it's hard to lose that mentality a little bit when you're talking about baseball. Because a blowout like that in football, I mean you'd be calling for heads and you know, it would be the end of the world baseball. It's like, heck, they turn the page and they played another game that afternoon. So it's just a just a different different mindset. So, uh, yeah, it's uh that was a crazy day for sure.
0: moving on now spring ball wrapping up for the CU Buffs and CSU Rams they had their spring games this past Saturday Uh, crazy to even think that here we are talking about football too so so much fun to see and James I have to ask you where are you this is like way too early predictions but where are you putting both CSU and CU when you look at this upcoming season
1: well, I got to see what CU has at the quarterback position. Um, that was just such a problem a year ago. That, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the, the name of the Tennessee transfer who got injured you know, right before the season. And their quarterback plan went up in smoke. And it, it just, it was a disaster all year long. Depending on what they have at that position, you know, maybe they'll be a little bit better than expected. Um, I do think CSU is going to be going to be decent. I think they're going to be better. Um, I, I I love the the new staff that they brought in. I mean, Steve Adazio and company were that was a disaster from the get go. The fact that they got one touchdown out of Trey McBride in the entire season, that right there was a fireball offense. I, you know, I think they'll be better, but I think at this point they're both going to be mediocre at best. Yes, right. Um, we shall see. Maybe maybe one of them will surprise us, but I I don't have big expectations for either one.
0: I was putting CSU in, like, the third in the mountains, so they split it up into, like, the mountain in the west. So I'm putting them in, like, the number three, I think, in the mountain standings, and then for CU, they were fifth last year. I kind of feel like they're going to be right around there again, so it's yeah. going to be interesting. Um, I do think that bigger things are on the horizon for both of these teams, so hopefully they can kind of overcome everything and prove us all right or wrong there. Moving on now to obviously the hottest topic of the weekend and of yesterday. How about them Nuggets, James?
1: That was fun. And we did the pregame yesterday. And it was a little bit tough to kind of get motivated. It felt like it was going to be a sweep. And, and you know, it's kind of like, hey, might as well just get it over with. And then it was just a, a great game. There were a ton of, you know, moments to talk about and, and players coming up big. Uh, you know, Bones was awesome in the first half, hitting those three straight threes. Monte Morris in the third quarter with five threes setting an NBA playoff record. Jokic was tremendous, the crowd was into it. There were confrontations between Aaron Gordon and Draymond and Boogie and Draymond like it was awesome. Like that was playoff basketball. I don't know that it's going to matter much, like you know, I got a tall tall order going into Chase Center on Wednesday for game 5 and and trying to stay alive. But I do think and it was my column today at denverfan.com. I do think they found a formula, Rachel, for how you beat the the Warriors, and that's you got to get physical with them. They're the nobody can out pretty the Warriors, but you can out ugly them. And the Nuggets did it yesterday, and I know it was a high scoring game, but they were physical. They took it to them. They shot more free throws than they normally do. That's how you got to play. They would pick them up, you know, 30 feet from the hoop and be on them. Aaron Gordon was all over Jordan Poole. From the get go and, and he really never got going. So I think if they can bring that kind of physicality to the court on Wednesday, they've got a shot. They've got a shot. It's the, it's the only thing. And, you know, if you're going to win yesterday, you have it, it for, it's not to just be a, a waste of everyone's time and just delaying the inevitable. You had to find a formula that's repeatable. That is, that's repeatable. You can go out there and and just out physical them in game five, game six, game seven, Why can't this be like in 1994 when the Nuggets fell down 3-0 to the Jazz and they took it all the way to the brink, took it all the way to Game 7? Why not? Got to just get get Wednesday, and then all of a sudden it starts getting pressure transferred over to the Warriors. So we shall see.
0: Why not this team? And speaking of physical, we'll move on to the next slide now because I've got some pictures of Jokic just absolutely (laughs) getting manhandled, it feels like. I mean – Poor Jokic, first of all, with Draymond's hand. That happened right off the bat. Aaron Gordon was like, listen, this isn't cool. Like, Jokic's eye was so red. But if you really see that picture, it just makes you hurt a little bit. I, I feel so bad for Jokic because he just takes so much. I mean, even in the second one on the right, like, look at how he's wrapped. Oh, poor Jokic. Well,
1: it's crazy. So, in, in the first one, the Draymond the Draymond Green play, like, the basketball is down at his waist. So, yeah. why is Draymond's hand even up at his face? Like, it makes no sense so that one how they excuse that one is is beyond me the second one Doris Burke was actually talking about how she couldn't believe there was a foul like what are you talking about like he got clotheslined it's the physicality that the Warriors have brought to Jokic uh I mean they're they're all over him the other part of it is they double him even when he doesn't have the ball when he's down in the low block or even the high post they got it, they're got they fronting him, and they got a guy between him and the basket. They are just, you know, sandwiching him, trying to make sure he can't get the basketball. So the fact that he was able to get outside yesterday, hit, hit some threes, that was big. The, that, that, that gives him another way to score, and they can't double him out there. But then if they're doubling him when he doesn't have the ball, the other four players are playing four on three. They have to get open looks, and they have to knock those down. They didn't get as many as they should considering how the Warriors are defending Jokic. But yeah, I mean, the guy is just getting beat up. It's why, look, the ship has sailed. I should be over the Jamal Murray thing. But this is part of what what I was talking about of this guy has carried this team all season long, kept their head above water, kept them afloat, got them into the playoffs, kept them out of the play-in game, and the whole time there was a promise that reinforcements are coming. And then he turns around when he gets here and there are no reinforcements, and this is some of the stuff he's been dealing with. I'm not saying it wouldn't be any of this if Jamal Murray was playing, but if Jamal Murray was playing, if MPJ was playing, if they had some guys who the Warriors also had to worry about, you wouldn't you wouldn't see some of this nonsense. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. He just gets he just gets beat up. It's it's crazy.
0: I know. Seriously, you look at those pictures and you're just like, oh, my gosh. And he does and he handles it and he's fantastic. And we're so lucky to have him in Denver. We're also lucky to have busy bones because while we're waiting for that reinforcement, he has definitely stepped up. So we got the stat from ESPN, James. Bones Highlands is the first player over the last 25 postseasons with three 30 footers in a single quarter. Just two other players have recorded three 30 30 footers in a single playoff game over the last 25 years. Do you know who they are?
1: Wow. Okay, I'm going to go. I mean, Steph's got to be on that list. Has to be. And who's the other one? I'm going to say Trey Young.
0: Okay. Answer is Damian Lillard and Kevin Ah, Durant.
1: You know what? I should have known Dame. One of those had to be against the Nuggets. Had to be. (laughs) The two series that they've played with the Nuggets in the last, what, three or four years. That guy was Unbelievable. Durant makes sense. I really would have thought Steph would have been one of the two. That guy fires it up from anywhere once he passes half court. But that's a crazy stat, and that that moment—I I mean, that got the crowd going. You knew he was pulling up on the on the break and shooting that third one. That was that was a really cool moment. I don't understand. And look, it worked out, and to some extent, it. Will Barton bailed out Michael Malone because he hit the the shot at the end that sealed the deal. But the fact that he played the final eight minutes of the game, as bad as he was all day, and Bones Highland sat on the bench as good as he was all day, like, Michael Malone is a robot. He it, It's like, are you even, even watching the game? Or are you just, you know, playing your formula for here's my substitutions and here's who's in and here's what we do? Like, it was obvious to anyone that was watching the game, that Bones Highland was having a good day and Will Barton was having a terrible day. Yeah. That was a colossal mistake, and he he got away with it, but barely. I mean, they blew the lead. They were down at one point late in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, the plus-minus with Bones on, on the court versus the plus-minus with, with Barton on the, on the court was laughable.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Bones was great yesterday. He, he really is going to be a, a part of when this team is healthy and when this team is in their – championship window which has to start next year he's going to be a key guy all the more reason he should be playing down the stretch like why not get him those valuable playoff minutes and that experience makes it makes no sense it makes no sense at all
0: okay the only reason and I'm not saying that it's correct that I can see why you would put Will Barton in over Bones is just if Bones takes that shot and he misses it How much does that change the confidence of a young rookie like Bones? Whereas if Will Barton misses it, granted, I don't even know if this was like the drawn up plan or Jokic just went for gold and, or went for the shocking play, you know, but is Will Barton going to be less affected if he misses it compared to if Bones misses it? And like, does that change? Do you see the point I'm trying to make of just the difference in age? And I know the veteran thing and Michael Malone, and it's a whole lot of crap a lot of the time, but that's the only reason that I can give why you would put Will Barton in over Bones.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I get what you're saying, but at some point you got to put the kid in that position, right? Like if you're going to want him knocking down those shots next year and the year after and the year after, like, you got to learn to deal with it at some point. And the veteran thing, though, it makes no sense. Like, Will Barton makes some of the dumbest basketball decisions. I mean, go to look at the end of game three or the end of the first half in game three. Like, just terrible decisions, just awful. So if if Bones was making rookie mistakes and Will Barton was taking care of the basketball late and helping to ensure that every possession was a good one, well, then I would buy it. But he's the opposite. Like, he, he doesn't do that at all. So it, the, the rationale for it looks good and sounds good, except the reality doesn't match up with it. So um, I, I see where you were going with that, Rachel, but I'm not going to buy it at all.
0: What is it going to take, besides <laughs> being the more aggressive team, come Wednesday night for the Nuggets to get a win against the Warriors?
1: Well, I think you have to have someone or maybe a couple of guys step up again, right? I, I, you know, when Jamal Murray's playing, you know who Robin is, right? That man's always Joker, but who's going to be Robin? It's going to be Jamal Murray. I don't know that they have someone who you know is going to be Robin. And yesterday, they didn't even have somebody who was Robin for the entire game. It was by half. First half was Bones. Second half, it was Monte Morris. Mm-hmm. They got to have somebody be Robin. Who's going to be the second guy? Who's going to hit some shots? Who's going to, you know, make them pay, make the Warriors pay for the way they try to defend uh, Jokic with the double team. So I I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe tomorrow is a Will Barton day. Maybe it's Monte Morris again. Maybe it's Bones again, but somebody has to step up and score. I I thought Austin Rivers was the unsung hero yesterday. His stat line didn't look very good other than the five steals, but man, the way that guy played was important, but they have to have somebody else score um, Aaron Gordon needs to play like he did yesterday. I think that part of it you almost have to count on. That, that has to be. But then who's the other guy? Who's hitting some outside shots? Somebody has to step up and answer the bell. Yesterday it was it was Bones and Monte. Pick one. Pull it out of a hat. But somebody's got to do it.
0: Mine's kind of a cheating answer. But you need Steph, Jordan, or Clay to shoot like they did last night. You need one of them to just kind of disappear a little bit for this team, I think, to have a shot. A huge credit to Austin Rivers, though, of how he handled Steph. But if Steph would have been on last night, I mean, how many free throws did he miss? And, like, we don't see that very often. So we need one of them. Clay had a fantastic night last night. But we need one of them to go a little bit cold, and we're back to just the Splash Brothers maybe. And then I think they still have a shot. If all three of them are hot, I don't think there's anything this Nuggets team can do to stop them.
1: Well, I think you're right. I mean, Clay was great yesterday, and Steph put up 33, but he took 23 shots to get there. He was only 10 of 23 from the field, so shot less than 50%, missed four free throws. So you got to make him work for it. Like, it's not really about what the total is, because 33 is a big number. It's how you get there. And then Jordan Poole was really ineffective, and a lot of that had to do with the way Aaron Gordon defended him from the get-go. So Mm -hmm. you got to have that again. And then he's banged up. He kept grabbing his wrist. Every time he goes to the bench, he's got to get the heat pack on his arm. So, you know, I'm not saying you you want to play dirty, but I think you go after that. Just like you're going to see tonight when Toronto plays Philly, you're going to have people slapping at the ball when Embiid has it. And if they hit his thumb, they hit his thumb. That's just the way it's going to go in, in playoff basketball. So you're right. I mean, think about it, though. Poole didn't play very well. Steph had 33, but he didn't shoot very well. And the Nuggets still barely won. So, they had yeah. two of the three kind of struggle. Uh, although, you know, Andrew Wiggins, that team just comes at you in waves because Andrew Wiggins picked up the slack yesterday. But you're right. If both, if all three of those guys are hot, Nuggets got no chance. No chance at all.
0: Yeah, 100%. I also have to appreciate Jokic and how aggressive he was on Draymond. It honestly kind of did blow my mind a little bit, though, of, like, how many fouls Draymond had when he was at four and they still really weren't pushing him. I was like, just every play, like feed it to Jokic. Eventually he's just going to have to foul out. And it eventually happened, which was great. But I was like, just keep it going. Cause he, he was struggling. Jokic was definitely proving that he was four inches taller than him and, you know, could handle him.
1: Yeah. They have to figure The nuggets have to figure that out. They got to do a better job in, in those types of situations
0: mm-hmm.
1: of making sure it goes through Jokic. And late in games, right? If you go back to game three, Rachel, the number of possessions in the final two and a half minutes where Jokic never touched the ball, it's inexcusable. Now I know he's not a point guard, so this is a weird comparison. But if you watch the end of game three, when the Suns went down to New Orleans and beat the Pelicans, Chris Paul has the ball and runs to show every single possession. And he makes sure that, you know, the Suns don't score on every possession but they're not firing up corner threes that are air balls right as the shot clock expires because it's a bad, ugly possession. It's got to go through Jokic. He's basically is kind of, I mean, he's the the point person on this offense, so it has to go through him. It's inexcusable when it doesn't. And then the other example of that is when you've got a guy in foul trouble, you got to go at him, right? So clay has been in foul trouble a couple of different times. Um, Draymond, they have to get him in foul trouble you know, he commits 27 fouls to get six and be out of the game. So you got to just keep going at him. Could not agree with you more. You're a hundred percent. Right.
0: Yep. Okay. Kurt said best part of Colorado sports this week, no wasting picks on quarterback in this draft. Russ baby. Let's ride. love this show guys. You know, this is going to be the first week where we truly we've seen all the hype videos, right. Of them out in San Diego, but we truly get to see him at the Broncos facility this week. I'm excited. I'm ready. It's, it's time. Like we've been waiting for this.
1: Oh, for sure. And, and you know, and it's it's funny because it's it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week we get to go down and watch him, right? We get to see him on the field. We get to see Russell Wilson with the Broncos helmet on, live and in person, and throwing passes. And he's down on the field where we've watched the litany of quarterbacks that we've had to watch the last okay. five years. That's going to be a ton of fun, and it's the perfect week for it because it's also draft week, yeah. and we haven't even talked about it because they don't have a first round pick. Fine by me. They barely have a second-round pick. They have the last pick in the second round. Fine by me. But it is nice that, hey, we get a little bit of enjoyment this week when everybody else is worried about what are they going to do in round one. We're just going to kick up our feet and say, man, isn't it fun to watch Russell Wilson play? That oh is uh, that is fantastic. And, hey, the draft will be fun. I'm excited about it, especially Friday night when uh, when the Broncos get going. But just not the not the hoopla of normal. I'm fine with that. I'm glad we're not talking about trying to talk ourselves into Kenny Pickett at number nine.
0: Oh, I'm with you. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. It's going to be so much fun. And James, we've got one last bit before we're going to end the show. And you have to tell me who is the better dancer between um, Brandon Stokely, our very own Brandon Stokely and Russell Wilson's wife, Sierra. So we've got two clips. We'll play them. You tell me, who is the better dancer? Both were sitting in the same seat. Stokely for Game 3, Sierra for Game 4. Who's got the better moves?
1: Hmm, you know, I'm going to give it to Stoke. I think overall, Sierra's got to be a better dancer. I mean, she's a professional. But in those clips, if that's all I'm going off of, Mainly for effort, I'm giving it to Stoke. He was fantastic. He put on his he put on a show in Game Three.
0: Oh my goodness! The people were loving Brandon Stokely at Game Three It was so <laughs> much fun too. <laughs> he was so good. He was also in attendance for Game Four, but he said he was going to have a little more of a low key night. So yeah, he was, I was hanging uh, out with P Manning, but more low key.
1: Wasn't on the jumbotron uh, for for Game Four, which was uh, which was fine, but. I, yeah, he was he was entertaining. He was right down there in it. I love the fact, too, this is, I mean, Stoke is great because he was on the officials. Oh. He was getting on the opposing players. Like, so many people who sit in those seats, you know, they're kind of a little bit highbrow. Not Stoke, man. He acted just like all of us would if we got a chance to be down there and would get all over the officials. He was great. He was an A++ plus in game three.
0: Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. DMAC actually has some really fun pictures on his Twitter account of Stoke doing all sorts of different moves. So definitely check that out. Um, a huge shout out to DMAC too. I love being able to work with him when we go to Nuggets games or Avs games. He's always so much fun and really does a good job. I have to give him a little bit of credit of providing people who can't watch the game, let them, like letting them in to know what it's actually like to be there. I think he does a fantastic job and it's so much fun. But James, as always, love having you on Coffee Break. Thanks so much for hanging out this morning.
1: No problem. Back to my regularly scheduled Monday appearance. That felt good. I know.
0: Yes, we'll keep it coming. We got a (laughs) lot more exciting stuff headed our way. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for Coffee Break. We're back again at 10.30 tomorrow morning. Come hang out with us. Bye, everyone.